episode nine of Never Seen, the podcast where we watch the films missing from our filmographies, there's glaring gaps in our film education, the classic or immortal movies people are shocked you've never seen. I am Jenny, your host, and joining me as ever are my two wonderful friends, the lovely Lee. Hello. Oh, it was different. <gasps> that sounded a bit squeaky then. That was a bit Charlie Day. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell whether it was because Jenny had gone to you first, which is I quite unusual. It, 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 me out. it <laughs> caught me out. That was it. That's the plan. I was, I was like, I usually do ladies first. But speaking of ladies, <laughs> somebody else is on. I was just going to say, did you invite a lady on the show? Because I'm certainly not one of those. <laughs> I, I, I consider you to be a lady. Then you don't know me very well. (laughs) I feel we're drifting already. We are drifting, we are drifting. Should we go back to what this episode is all about? So this this, uh, episode, this month was my choice, and I plumbed for the 1950 All About Eve. It's directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, produced by Daryl F. Zanuck, and stars Betty Davis, love her, uh, as Margot Channing, uh, Anne Baxter as Eve Harrington, George Sanders as Addison DeWitt, Celeste Holmes as Karen Richards, Gary Merrill as Bill Sampson, Hugh Marlowe as Lloyd Richards, Gregory Matoff as Max Fabian, Thelma Ritter as Birdie, and a very early appearance of Marilyn Monroe as Miss Craswell. And then later we meet uh, Barbara Bates, who plays Phoebe. So what can I tell you about uh, what All About Eve is about? Well. The synopsis that the Criterion Collection give, which is the most recent edition I've bought, well, I wasn't bought, uh, I was given of this film, give the synopsis as this, and I find it an interesting one to use. One night, Margot Channing, Betty Davis, entertains a surprise dressing room visitor, her most adoring fan, the shy, wide-eyed Eve Harrington, Anne Baxter. But as Eve becomes a fixture in Margot's life, the Broadway legend soon realises that her supposed admirer intends to use her and everyone in her circle, including George Sanders' acid-tongued critic, as stepping stones to stardom. Which is, you know, it's perfectly true what the, the film is about. Although I think... It kind of gives it away, to be honest. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, I thought you don't need to watch the film now because you just I, tell exactly. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I, I know I'm skipping ahead, but I didn't know anything going into it. No, well, Nothing I think, at all. But I think that's uh, sometimes a really great way to go in. Yeah, so I thought that would have kind of blown, Just like, boom. blown the fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the film was based on a short story called The Wisdom of Eve, which is by Mary Orr. It's published in May 1946 in an issue of, or issues of Cosmopolitan magazine. It was a story that she had heard herself based on apparently actual events. Mm, okay. Uh, the rights of the story were sold to 20th Century Fox for apparently uh, $3,500 with no credit stipulated. Uh, Mankiewicz took the story and combined it with an idea that he had been working on, and he was the scriptwriter as well as a director for All About Eve. Originally, Claudette Colbert was cast as Margot Channing, but put her back out weeks before production was about to start. So Zanuck and Mank, or Mankiewicz, uh, had to rush to find a replacement. 
And uh, as far as I understand it, Mankiewicz wanted or Mankiewicz wanted Davis in the role, Betty Davis. But Zanuck and Davis had a massive falling out. Uh, Betty Davis was once the president of the Motion Picture Academy in 41. Uh, they had a blazing row after she departed and they hadn't spoken to each other really since. Uh, I, w- <laughs> I read one description of the conversation that apparently Zanuck said he would call Betty Davis himself. Um, he did. And when he spoke to Davis on the phone, she didn't know who he was, <laughs> which was quite brilliant. But um Davis was sent the script. She loved it and agreed to the picture, um, apparently recognising the brilliance of the piece. Although Mangovitz was warned that working with Davis could mean she'll arrive with her yellow notepads and will change the script completely and be a real pain and diva and trouble to work with. But not the case when it came to All About Eve. Um, It's said that she recognised that this was a brilliant piece of writing and uh, Mankiewicz found Davis to be the most uh, amenable, apparently, actress that he'd ever worked with. And uh, it was, according to her and many other of the actors in the cast, uh, a very uh, happy set to be working on. Although <laughs> uh, Betty Davis and Celeste Holmes did not get on. Um, don't really know why, but according to Celeste Holmes, she uh, herself, Celeste Holmes work, walked on to the set on the first day and saw Betty Davis and said good morning. And apparently Davis's response was, oh, shit, good manners. Yeah. And never spoke to Celeste Holmes again whilst on set. Apart from, uh, and it's jumping ahead towards the end of the film where Celeste Holmes' character, uh, Karen, was laughing and um Betty Davis put, in a break. Yeah, because she she found she she can laugh on cue. She could laugh she? on cue. She can just laugh on cue. She can just do it. Mm. And Betty Davis turned to her and you know at, at the end of the take and was like, I cannot do that. How do you do that? I cannot do that. And according to Celeste Holmes, she just turned to Betty Davis and said, Well, I'm sure you can if you tried. <laughs> Mio. Yeah. <laughs> um and there's there's lots of other little bits and pieces about this film and stuff um my own history with the film is really um it goes back to when i did my ba degree um so i didn't used to like black and white movies i never used to watch them i thought they were just old-fashioned mm-hmm. rubbish boring don't want to watch those who wants to watch a black and white movie and even though I loved The Wizard of Oz, I was like annoyed that the beginning was black and white. And then she went to Oz and it was all in colour and it was great. Again. Then it went back to black and white. I had no idea you were such a Philistine. Yes, <laughs> completely. But then when I did my BA, one of my courses, because it was at the Open Uni, was film and TV and radio history. Mm-hmm. And we had to watch Now Voyager. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen it before. Um, I think I sort of had heard the name Betty Davis, but... Didn't know, this was at a time before I really got into golden age Hollywood and, you know, really fell for it all. And yeah. I watched now Voyager and I just <clears throat> I just fell in love with the medium then and the films. And then I just started watching more, which included more Betty Davis movies. Um, this is actually one of my favorite Betty Davis movies. This, along with now Voyager, as well as whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. 
Um, and there's so much to be said about that film. Mm-hmm. And the two well, I've, I've never seen that one. Have you not? No. This was probably my, I don't want to say it's my first Betty Davis because I'd seen um, Death on the Nile and I'd seen, uh, what was the Disney oh, um, horror, horror film she did? So in the Woods, wasn't it? Um, yeah. What is it? Watcher, Watcher in, in the, the Woods. woods. Watcher in the Woods, yeah. yeah. So I said, but those were both quite recently. I'd seen those. So, um, yeah, so this was, I, I was only aware of, betty davis through um just like like tv i knew when she was like an old lady rather yes. than rather than a working actress yeah. so i remember she'd do little bits of you know as all the golden age actors did they'd pop up on tv in the 70s yeah. in you know magnum or yeah yeah stuff, you know, heart to heart stuff like that you know as big names but they'd basically just be playing the old fogey you know, yeah. and so you don't really you're playing themselves and you wouldn't get any taste of them. So I, I, I've I say I don't think I've really experienced, which is one of the reasons I wanted to watch this. This has been on my watch list, mm. uh, my own personal watch list from years ago when I was composing you know, my own list of films that I've never seen that I wanted to watch. This was on there. Yeah. Um, because I'd just because it was on like the, the loads of different top 20 of all time type lists. Mm. Uh, so I was, I was glad for the opportunity, the excuse to, to, to watch this because I'd never seen it and, you know, I'd wanted to. But like I say, and it was also one of these, I can tick Betty Davies off my list. You can? Because, because yeah. I've, you know, uh, there's quite a few of these Golden Age actors. I've, you know, I've, I've never seen any of their films, but you kind of, you think you have. You mm. think, oh, well, I must have. Yeah, because you know they, they've they've been been because especially the the old the old jobbing you know studio system performance because yeah. they used to do, you know just nonstop churn these movies out. Oh yeah, you, know, you check out their IMDb's and they were doing like five or six movies a year. Um, but yeah, so I I'd not seen No Voyager or 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 any of it because this was like a, again I'm kind of skipping it. Sorry, mm. but this was kind of like her the second phase of her career. Her career had kind of peaked and. And we're yeah. dying off. Yeah, it relaunched her again. I mean, she said yeah. of Mankiewicz, uh, Mank- Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz, yeah, um, yeah. that it he brought her back to life. He yeah. revitalised her career. And he did, because just like you say, this was a time when, um, so going into, this, the, it was 1950, so you're going into yeah. another, you know, decade, different time of film. Mm. And it was another time when her career was waning. You yeah. Know? She kind um, of, I mean, she, she'd peaked and was kind of pissing people off. Yeah. <laughs> She, you know, she was kind of burning quite a few bridges yeah. and realising as again, we'll, when we get to talk about it, the film, it's amazing. This wasn't written for her mm. because yeah. it is just totally her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's funny when I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, you, you do anything. Well, is this based on her? Mm. And it also seemed very, there's, there's an actress called Tallulah Bankhead. Yes. Um, and it reminded me a lot of her. She got like this kind of story. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of that we'll get to kind of reading between the lines and, mm. and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I, and I, when I did my reading up, I found out that apparently Tallulah Bankhead was one of the actresses that were that was considered um, yeah. after Claudette Colbert had to drop out. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it, but, you know, that's all digging into the whole golden age shenanigans behind the scenes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely well what about you Stace uh so so this this episode is going to be really rough for me I think um I had no no previous anything with this film didn't even know it existed until you put it on our list Mm. (laughs) so like I had no preconceptions no idea of what it was about Mm. no idea of who was in it except that you'd mentioned that Betty Davis was Mm -hmm. um and that's pretty much where I was at with it not not a lot to say there I didn't know what it was at all and I oh, and I deliberately kind of tried to avoid stuff so I didn't know if yeah. it was a rom-com or a musical mm. or a western <laughs> I didn't know if there were dinosaurs in it or anything so <laughs> it, it could have it could have been you know set in the Garden of Eden no I don't know yeah so um, I don't think there were dinosaurs there <laughs> what sorry <laughs> So, yeah, so I did, you know, I tweeted about it because I'm the kind of person who tweets whatever movie they're watching. Yeah. And I just, you know, look for the, the film poster. And the, the movie poster, it turns out, is really deceptive. It is. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. Yeah. It's a really kind of colourful, well, depending on which one you look at, there's like a really colourful kind of designery one that's all arrows pointing. At, mm. But it's basically the cast standing in a row, big smiles interlinked arms like they're about to burst into song so i thought it was a, a musical or something going in it's weird isn't it because i've seen that poster as well but i've actually seen the the promotional still that that's from mm. which is you know it's just them on the back lot um be- like between sound stages just walking yeah it's around not even a screenshot no <laughs> no it's nothing to do with it's the film. cast photo yeah them just locking around yeah it's bizarre it's like, it's like so. you know Star Wars being a you know you got like Harrison Ford having a fag or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a cup of coffee, you know. So yeah, but it's anyway. So it's weird. So yeah, it really. It, I didn't. I honestly didn't know going in what it was going to be, and it took me a while to to get into it because I didn't literally mm. didn't know what I was going to get. Yeah. And it starts off kind of strange. It almost starts off like it's going to be a comedy, like um. Mm. Uh, what, what's the what's the one where Ali Guinness plays all the different roles? Oh, um, oh God, coronets. Um, yeah, kind of hearts and coronets. Coronets, yes. That kind yeah. of one because you got this big voiceover. Yeah. At the start. Yeah. And it's introducing all the characters and it's at this award ceremony. I'm like, oh, okay, lot of information to take in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I honestly didn't know where it was going to go at all. Um, because it, yeah. it begins at the end. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because it starts at the end, goes to the beginning in the middle, and then it comes back. Yeah, it does a very weird thing, and it starts off with a voiceover by George Sanders, Mm. and then it switches over to a voiceover from, is it Celeste Home? I think it is Celeste Home next, yeah. Which is a weird, I don't think I've seen that before. No, I, I, I wrote a note about that as well, that it was very strange how we went from... Uh, and also because it although the, another film that was released at the, the similar time the same year was Sunset Boulevard yeah oh, well, and I well I was going to say it yeah ultimately it, about half an hour and I went oh this is yeah like a, a sister film to Sunset Boulevard and it's amazing they came out I mean we'll I'll go into that later but it's amazing how they came out the same time and they're quite similar in themes yeah, yeah. but yeah I thought the same thing like um the narration opening I mean it's not too unusual for the time because if you think of things like, um, oh, my goodness, uh, Double Indemnity, 
yeah has that oh yeah i mean the noir thing yeah but it it, it was a really common but very strange for it to switch it is isn't it uh, points of view yeah and and i and i liked that about it too that we were hearing because you also heard from margot from betty davis's character and also from Anne baxter as eve you got a little Mm -hmm. bit from her too yeah so it's lots of different threads and different sides of the story you were sort of hearing from um and i have read a little bit of the short story and the ending is different to what the film's ending is but mm-hmm. i have a feeling that's probably more to do with I'm not 100 percent sure but i think that's got more to do with um like Hayes code type thing yeah and possibly also mankovitz from what i have what little more i've learned about him um, and some other things I, I hadn't realised or even considered until I looked in and, and did a bit more research on the film. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, because it, it opened at an awards ceremony, which is completely made up yeah. uh, awards ceremony. And it's actually now real. <laughs> OK. Um, I'm hardly going through my notes, finding the is it Sarah Sidden. awards um which Mankiewicz created it was his way of sort of being satirical and making a jab at all of the you know ridiculous award shows and things especially um and then several years later it was made into an actual awards and one of the first recipients was uh Celeste Holmes oh okay or Anne Baxter and Celeste Holmes and then later Betty Davis was given an award by them too very weird very yeah um but yeah it it all starts there and then we go back in time a little to see eve meeting karen celeste holmes character because uh karen is the wife of um lloyd richards played by hugh marlowe and he is a playwright so Mm. he he's he basically he's written like all of margot channing's great plays everything that she's sort of Started. Yeah, the, the whole film, it's basically about the theatre, isn't it? It's all yeah. in the, the, the world of the theatre, whereas Sunset Boulevard is about Hollywood. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. This one's all about the theatre, which yeah. kind of threw me. And I think, which is probably, again, not to, to spoil things, but I really like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd seen that just a few years ago and just really clicked with it straight away and just, mm. just was like just completely blown away. Yeah. Um, but that, but I'm not, I'm not a theatre person, particularly. Mm-hmm. So whereas I am like a, 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 you know, a movie person, so I got the references. I think there's a lot of references in this, yeah, that kind of whizzed past, yeah, uh, my ears an awful lot. Um, that... I will say I did like it. Mm. Oh, good. Um, you know, I didn't love it. No, that's okay. It wasn't love at first sight. Yeah. But, but I think that was just because it was taking me a while to figure out what it was. And there's a lot of, you know, your brain's mm. ticking over a lot going, are they going to start singing in a minute? <laughs> yeah. Am I supposed to be laughing at this? And then it was it was literally when the penny dropped and I went, oh, this is this is a theatre version of Sunset Boulevard. Well, um, well, yeah, in a way. I mean, as far as I know, um, Betty Davis has never done a musical as far as i'm mm. aware i could be wrong but as far as i'm aware she hasn't however i can't it, imagine she's got a great singing voice it, no but this was made into a musical yeah um that lauren bacall starred in and i think she was nom- at least nominated for a tony i don't know if mm. she won it um but you would have seen celeste home in a musical because she was in 
I believe, higher society. Yes, it, higher society and three men and a baby, which is where I, I recognised her from. OK. Because she was, again, she was another one of these actresses who I went, I know her face. Yeah. But I would have known her like 30 years after or 40 years. After. Yeah, she's she's someone I would have seen in like Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, she she would have done those rounds. Yeah, absolutely. And um, um, Anne Baxter as well, who plays Eve, she was the same. She'd done a lot. I mean, she'd, I thought I hadn't seen her in anything, to be mm. honest. I thought she was a new face, but I'd seen her in a film called Five Grace to Cairo. Okay. Uh, which was like a, a war film. And she was in, like, I Confess, which is a Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, and, but she, I, I recognised her from, she did a TV series in the 80s called Hotel, which was okay. like a, a soap thing. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay, I, I recognise her now. And she was also in Batman. She was in the Batman TV series, played Zelda the Great <laughs> in, in Batman, which was kind of funny because uh, George Sanders was in Batman as well. He yeah. played Mr. Freeze. So, really? So, so, yeah. So it's, it's interesting that. that you see all these, you know, these, but you don't realise, like when you watch, you know, the Batman yeah. TV series, they made a big fuss about these big names being in it. Yeah. And you kind of only recognize you go, oh, those were big names. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. When you see like retrospectively, you see them in these sorts of films, you realize how big they were. Yeah. You know, like like multiple Oscar winners. And, yeah. And stuff like that, you know. I mean, Thelma Ritter, we've we've seen before when thinking yeah. about the podcast, because we we saw her in um, uh, Rear, Window. Rear Window. Yeah. Um, and and she's, she, again, she's terrific. Yeah. Um, she's, I she's, thought she was terrific in this. Yeah. Um, Although she disappeared, she vanishes halfway through the film. She does. All of a sudden, she's just gone. But she's yeah. also, what I what I love about her character as Birdie is that she just, she knows Eve right off the bat. She knows well, the character straight away. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a thing I wanted to, to bring up. Because I don't, I assume it would have been a bit more, maybe we're just a bit more attuned mm. to red flags now and, and kind of stalkers and, and that sort of thing more. <laughs> Maybe because kind of like literally the first scene where Eve turns up and she mentions because yeah. they, they find her outside. Um, uh, what's she's outside name? the theatre. Yeah. yeah. Karen finds her outside the theatre and she and she reveals that she's there every day for every show. Yeah. And she sneaks in and watches every performance. Yeah. And and, and this is to them is kind of endearing. And wow, that's kind of eccentric. But oh my <laughs> to God. us, it's like stalker. I'm like, whoa, hazy. <laughs> Alarm bells. <laughs> She's literally got no life. Yeah. So and, and no was, money either, apparently. <laughs> yes, plenty of money. So it was yeah, so I was kind of right away I was going, okay, this is because <laughs> yeah, again, I wasn't sure. Like, I'm planning to go, I don't know what the film's about. So I'm you know, initially you see the awards ceremony and it's like, oh, it's gonna be about I think which is what you're supposed to think, is yeah. that it's about a small town girl done good. Yeah. Her, her, her this you know, poor little country girl rising to stardom that's right um yeah. but yeah but there was a lot of kind of like i think you know, kind of i mean you can't you, i don't want to say she overplays it because it, it was clearly successful at the time that's the style of acting at the time yeah you know uh but it's it's yeah it, it seems very well flagged to it's me it's great isn't it because you get like you say you get that opening part where you have the old man you know mm. handing over the award to to eve and you have um, uh, George Sanders, Alice Addison DeWitt's voiceover of laying down some of the groundwork. But then you, the camera pans over to the table with Margot Channing 
and the rest. And you only have to look at Betty Davis's expression while she's lighting a fag, you know, yeah. she's lighting a cigarette and that you can just see how pissed off, pissed off she is. And she's like, oh, bitch, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just burn the place yeah. down. Um, and you can see it all. But then then, like you said, we go we go back in time a little bit to see how this how this all started and how we got to where we are and to understand why all these people that just don't look happy at all about this young, beautiful woman uh, winning this award. Mm. And it just it goes off on one from there, really. Yeah, it um, kind of, it's, it's kind of like a slow build. Um, yeah. In the, uh, I think it was it was about 40 minutes in, I think, before I kind of got the got the gist of where it was going and what it was doing and what it was. Yeah, yeah, what it was about, and you can okay. I'm, I'm, I, I get where this is going now. I get what the kind of film this is, because mm. uh, you can think, okay, we're we're in drama territory. This yeah. isn't going to be a thriller. I don't think anybody's going to get stabbed no. at any point. <laughs> it's, Thought it's, about it. Yeah, Maybe I mean, well, I mean, you know, I mean, um, Sunset Boulevard starts starts with a dead body floating in a pool. Oh, yeah. so, thrillers, mate. Yeah, <laughs> You can't spoil the first shot of a movie. <laughs> I'm relatively sure you can't spoil the first shot of a movie. It's the first shot. But, uh, but you know, you can't. OK, so this is, you know, there's, there's, I don't think it's going to be a murder mystery, but you do wonder how far this is going to go. Yeah. And um, but yes, yeah, so I'll say I didn't I didn't love it, but I admired it an awful lot. I was sitting through going, oh, that's a good line. Oh, oh. that's some good dialogue that's you know you can chew on that i mean it's so quotable i mean especially i mean the most famous line of course is betty davis at her yeah. at the party you know fasten your safe belts it's going to be a bumpy night yeah i mean it's just it's brilliant. I, funny enough i kind of punched the head punched the air when that came on because like oh that line yeah it's from this is from this yeah yeah. But then I was kind of almost kind of disappointed because it didn't kind of go. You think, oh, she's going to kick off. She's going to kick off. And you feel like there's going to be a punch. There's nothing. Yeah. yeah. No. I, it's funny um, because it's so it's so wonderfully written for me because the dialogue is great. Yeah. And it's like all the punches and barbs come from words and not from yeah. the ladies raising some fists and hands and having a good slap down. Mm. It, it never comes to that. It just it's vicious by the tongue, basically. Yeah, I think somebody I think I can't remember it was I, I, in one of the one of the bits of research I was reading. They were saying that the it won it, it was nominated for as many Oscars as Titanic. And it, until, yes. Yeah, yeah. Until Titanic came out, this had the most nominations. It did. It had. And then if you, but if you compare to the scale of the scale of All About Eve, which is actually a really small. It's a small drama story, film. Yeah. Um, it's it's very you know like I say there's no murders there's no heists or explosions there's not you know I don't think there's so much as the throne punch the only kind of the closest thing to an action sequence is Betty Davis walking down some stairs in yeah. a in a flouncy manner so yeah. um, that's as close as you get to kind of action but but it it kind of counts the kind of like the little stuff counts the mm. you know it's in it's in it's literally in the performance and it's in the in the dialogue. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I did mean to write down st- stuff because there's some great lines, but they tend to be not so much one liners. It's it, it's it tends to be a bit of back and forth. Like it's, some yeah. Yeah. It's good back and forth a little bit. And there's some monologues in it that I, mm-hmm. I, I love. And it's not monologues that like I want to learn all the words to, but it's just 
to what the monologue is saying. Yeah. But there's, if some, I, there's some good. Yeah, you can see that the, the actors are getting their teeth into it. There's, yeah. there's one bit about there's like a bit of an argument between Betty Davis's character and the and the playwright's character. Yeah. Where he's having a rant about actors who get oh, the awards yeah. and all the credit where, you know, as if they're coming up with the, you know, yeah. they're basically just saying what he wrote and he's the he's the creator. And yeah. where do they get off? And, and, and I can't I wish I write it down because I can't. But it was a really good line about, you know, you know, where do you get off? You know, what, it, it was you, it's and, terrific. You know, and her and, then, and she comes back and it's like, oh, I just love the little back and forth and the proper. Yeah. And 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 then the the scene that follows that is the argument between Margot and uh, Bill, her mm. lover, her her uh, fiance, um, not becomes her. <laughs> massive spoiler. Of course we are. Yeah. This is a very old film, but um, becomes her her fiance um, because she becomes uh, jealous because by by this point in time in the film, Eve is already working her way into becoming Margot's understudy in the play. And yeah. reading in and doing very well. And um, but it's Addison DeWitt who tells Margot this and gets under her skin like only he can. But their mm. two, their barbing towards one another is also superb. The, those yeah. two characters and actors. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the argument between Bill and Margot, especially when it ends where, you know, he's he's going off, he's going to leave. And, and Margot says, oh, what well, you're going off to find Eve now. And you just, you know, as soon as she said it, it's like, oh, you just put your foot in it. You mm. just said the wrong thing. And then, I mean, he tells her that too. Um, but I love that. And there's a couple of times that um, she, Betty Davis or Amargo talks about her age, that she's 41. And yeah. that's, the, that's the same age as me now. Mm. And it's, and like with Sunset Boulevard, it's talking about women aging in theatre Whereas in Sunset Boulevard, it's in film. Yeah. But it's women being allowed to age and playing parts of their age, whereas Margot's been playing parts that she's been too old for for yeah. about 20 years, yeah, yeah. but still plays them. There's a, there's a nice line, again, that I didn't write down because I'm an idiot, <laughs> where she says something. She's like talking about, like the, I can't remember if she's talking about her, her fiancé, whether she's talking or the, or the playwright guy or, or one of the actors sort of saying, oh, he, he's 35 he looks 35 five years ago he looks 35 in 20 years he'll still look 35 and he'll still be getting the same parts mm. whereas she's literally just you know 40 and she's having to pay play 25 year olds still. yeah yeah um and it's it, and it's just amazing to me how much again i don't know theater but certainly you can transpose that very easily to to hollywood and I th- go, yeah that, that's still that's still true now I th- yeah, and I yeah. think some of it in theatre is, but I I always thought, and I could, and I'm wrong because I, I only do Amdram, you know, it's not mm. pro stuff, and I don't follow all the pro theatre. I could see it being absolutely a thing in theatre, but also I would have thought that in theatre, um, older actresses do well to get fabulous parts in a theatre mm. because they do. But obviously at this time, maybe even still now, that's not the case. It's like mm. it's like film. It's it's still hard for and perhaps women in that in our middle years, you know, between 30 to 50. Around there, because well, I, I imagine in I mean, this is 1950. So, I mean, Sinner had only been around for what, 30 years at yeah. that point. Yeah. 
so it was still relatively new. So I imagine theatre would have been much more, much in a much stronger position though, slightly less. Um, I don't want to say elitist, but less common. You know, nowadays going to the theatre is less commonplace. You know, mm. it's it's not like TV or, or cinema. No, yeah. it's 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 more an event, I think. Uh, yeah. Whereas back then, going to the theatre would have been how you just spent your, you know, it, yeah, yeah, how you spend your night. You go to cinema, you go to you go, go to see the a theater. show at the theatre. Yeah, and and Betty Davis was originally from the theatre. Mm-hmm. She she came from New York theatres out to out to Hollywood. Although when <laughs> when she came to Hollywood, um, and I think she started with Universal first. Um, she got to the train station and waited to be collected as she was told she would be and no one was there to collect her so she got to the studio um, or she called the studio and complained about this and they chased up and said well you know our driver went there to go and collect you but they didn't see anybody who looked like a star so they came back again (laughs) because because Betty Davis is not your She's not a Marilyn Monroe. No, she's, she's no. not a even a Joan Crawford because Joan Crawford was stunning when she was a young woman. Yeah. You know, she. But I, I always found that actually Joan, um, sorry, Betty Davis, um, when made up like she is in this, in All About Eve, she can look beautiful mm. with all the makeup and the hair and everything else. But she's she's just she's an actress. Yeah. And her skill and time and efforts go there. You know, and it's not to say that the beautiful actresses that were also were very successful, you know, there's nothing to do with their looks. It's their talent. Of course it is. Mm. Um, but I always got the impression that she probably knew that she wasn't, you know, the most stunning. Yeah, she probably doesn't get the, the, the glamour parts. Yeah. Uh, and, and the pretty girl parts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that can be a hindrance in itself. I mean, t- talking about Marilyn Monroe, who, who's in, mm. this, in a very early role. I mean, she's only got about two scenes or something. Yeah, but she does shine, and I'm not a particularly a big Marilyn Monroe fan, to be honest. I like some like it hot. Yeah, but other than that, I'm not a huge, you know, her kind of type, that kind of dumb blonde type, isn't my type. That's not an yeah. attractive type to me. Whereas back then, that was a big yeah. draw. That was an ideal of you know of, of sexiness that I think now isn't as Maybe I'm just being you know, for myself. Isn't quite what it was before. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that isn't attractive now. And I think um, I think Monroe was massively underrated. Yeah. I mean, she, she was a great comedic actress. Yeah. She, she was really very was. pigeonholed. Yeah. Um, and you do like, unfortunately, once she hit big, I think, you know, uh, you know, certainly the films I've seen her in, it tends to, you know, she's, she's very pigeonholed and typecast. Yes. yes, yes. You see some of the things she she did a little, I think it was just before all about E. She did a, a thriller called Don't Bother to Knock or, or, okay. or Don't Knock or something like that. And she's really good in that. Yeah. And I think in this, in even in her two little roles, little scenes in this, and she's essentially playing. You know, she's playing herself. Herself, really. really. Um, but she, she's really good. <laughs> she's really good. I mean, apparently, and I'm not. I honestly am not surprised because if I if I were in her shoes, I would have been because of who Betty Davis was. Mm. But apparently she was so nervous. Um, yeah. They were all out at a, a, a meal or a party the night before and she left early to go home to rest before because she knew she had scenes with Betty Davis and, and the cast the following day. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it took 10 takes to get that that small scene in the stairwell yeah. at the party done. 
uh, because Munro kept forgetting her lines. I mean, I mean, but I'm geez, not look who's sitting on those Exactly, chairs, yeah. Look at who she's playing with. Yeah. It's not surprising, is it? And it's mm. only, you know, you haven't done that many films up at that point, none that have perhaps got the gravitas yeah. that this yeah. one would have. So it's not surprising. No, at all. I mean, she's quite high up in the in the cast list. I'm I'm surprised because mm. she's like it, it, she's on like page two. I mean, they don't have huge cast lists on those days. No. But the fact she's actually in the in the cast, yeah, opening at credit all, cast list, it surprised me. Yeah, because she's 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 under Thelma Ritter. Yes. Um, which I thought that's good <laughs> comedy <laughs> to be keeping on 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 the cast list for a start in the credits. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so, but I, I thought she was she was rather good. And you, you know, and then the more I see of like some of the earlier roles or some of the more the three less you know, high profile roles, you kind of realise how much she was kind of wasted. Yeah. And you kind of, and how tragic it that she died at the age she did. Yeah. Because she yeah. didn't get to the point where she could get past the these kind of glamour Dumb roles and things. get into the yeah. character roles and do the proper yeah. acting stuff and, and, and show her chops. But what about you, Stace? Are there any, any scenes or moments that stood out to you when you were watching All About Eve? Did you um, like it? That's that's, that's, that's the, probably the... <laughs> well, yeah, you, very quiet. I was going to say, you may or may not have noticed that I've not said any words for a, probably a good half hour. Um, sorry, sorry. It's, no, it's, it's, it's not your fault at all. I actually anticipated this was going to happen and almost texted you to say, do you want to do this without me? Because <laughs> I have no feelings on this film. Yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched it and I thought, oh, I've watched that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I can, can't no, I can, point I can, to anything and say, oh, I fucking hate this. I fucking hate that. Like, it didn't make me angry. It, I wasn't upset that I'd watched it. Similarly don't think I could ever be bothered to watch it again. And I don't think I'm that bothered that I've watched it at all. Yeah. It just happened to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's absolutely um, fine. But that makes it really difficult to talk about because yeah. there was nothing in it really that like that grabbed me either in a – I can't be passionate about something when I just thought it was almost aggressively yeah. average to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it because it's not, it's not a film you can, you can grab onto. Mm. Like I say, there's there's no like that murder or great you know big twist really. It's from from the modern perspective, you can kind of see where the plot's going. It's kind of like oh I get it, but mm. I don't think it even then it was written as a as a twisty shocky surprise. No, I think it was just story. it was just written as a as a as a it's, drama. It, it's a drama. Yeah. So, you know, and it's it's and it's kind of like a and, you know, and it's just loaded with kind of subtext and stuff. But it's not something you're going to go, oh, oh, goody, that that bit. There's, you know, as yeah. good as the cast are, they're not showboating particularly. Mm. Even Betty Davies, who's who's got and, and she's kind of, you know, rocking it. really. Yeah. And, but she's not kind of tearing down the scenery. No, she's, she's, she's not. It's a genuine performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, it's, it's like you know, I can say there's no dinosaurs, there's no, you know, there's, there's no murders, there's, there's no, no giant ants no, or spiders. Yeah, or well, there's no, yeah, there's no kind of high tension. There's no kind of, you know, there's, you know, although it's about somebody taking over somebody's life, it's it's a very real, you know, this is kind of creepy behavior. It's not like it's a murderer and literally take over a body. No, it's it's really it's just a human drama story. Yeah, it's a thing that has happened, still happens, and continues to happen, and they're just 
putting their version of, yeah. of what has happened. It's the sort of thing they just wouldn't make a movie of now. You might no. you, this because this is a sort of plot that gets used up in soaps and you know TV dramas. And they, and they would add the violence. Yeah. Of some, some such to it now. Yeah, or like a sexy affair in the yes. background yeah. or something. And it's or, like... uh, yeah, they would. And I think, oh, interesting, because you, you mentioned subtext, something I discovered that I hadn't realised, and the amount of times I, I have watched this and it, you know, mm. it never really dropped into my thought, um, was uh, there's this whole uh, lesbian yeah. subtext backdrop yeah. behind this film. Yeah. And it's like when you, you read... Um, like the different pieces written about that that you can find quite easily online. It's like, yeah, I do, I do see what they're saying, but at the same time, I just see it as what it is. Well, I, I, I mean, I picked up on the like the the homosexual subtext. Yeah. Pretty clear. It seemed, you know, the relationship between um, Betty Davis' character and Thelma Ritter's character seems more than just mates. You know, and, oh, I didn't and, pick up that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and and stuff like that. I know there's because when I was reading up, I was going, "Oh, I'm quite clever. I spotted that." Yeah. Waves a flag, and then they go, "Yeah, but it's it's it was like you know homophobia. This is how Hollywood did yeah stuff. Yeah. This is very anti. Although it's a hugely popular film with the gays. Yeah. It's actually apparently quite a homophobic film in that the two kind of. I don't, I don't know what the term is, kind of gay but not explicitly gay characters, which is Betty Davis and, and George Sanders. Um, yeah, Betty Davis, George Sanders, and, and Eve kind of. And, and Baxter. Well, you see, this is the thing. Cause kind of, they're kind of predatory. Well, because, yeah, because the way I was, I guess but, the way I was reading it was I, Anne Baxter and, and George Sanders more yeah, than my, Betty my, Davis. My, my but is that I don't think they are. I think mm. Eve is kind of faking it and i think yeah i think george sanders's character could be faking it as well right. because and here's one th- scene i want to pick up on um there's a, there's a scene with george sanders character addison dewitt and eve yeah where they've kind of basically th- the plot's out they're kind of you've got the two bad guys basically discussing their scheme mm. and she's just i thought i remember right she's come off stage and she's in the changing room and she's getting dressed. Yeah. And he said she goes off in another room to get in, like into the bathroom to get dressed. And he says something like, keep the door open so we can talk. Yes. Or she says something like that. That's right. Yeah. And, and I was trying to read, is he watching her getting undressed? Which doesn't seem a very gay thing to do. And he came across as very heterosexual predator to me in that yeah. scene. But because it's made when it was they can't literally just come out and show you him ogling somebody the woman getting undressed it's all very coded and yeah it's subtle kind of thing and then she and she kind of comes back stick her head through the door wrapped in a towel so she's clearly been naked yeah and saying something like i'm going to go in the shower now i'm going to shut the door yeah i won't hear so you over I'm the water yeah. that george sanders's character is gay i think he he portrays that as a character because there's a lot of, i mean one of the subtexts of the film is people pretending to be what they're not mm. and, and and playing roles it's all about role playing and yeah. and stuff like that you know and that i i that's just my pet theory is that's what george well, Sands is it's, well i say i'm not sure with addison as much but that could also be a sort of stereotypical thought on 
the sort of character he is portraying in the film. Mm. But when I think about Eve and I think about it in this um, perspective, the whole kind of she's the um, predatory, evil lesbian mm. uh, trope. And it's like, yeah, I can kind of see what they're saying um, to an extent, although I think she's more predator to try and take over someone's career. Yeah, she wants power. Role. She's not, she, she wants want power. I, that's exactly what I think. Um, um, you know, if, the, if there's any sex to be had, she wants the boyfriend or the husband. She, yeah, she wants either Bill or she wants in, Lloyd. In that role. She's not because, after. Yeah, because know, that leads Margot. to more power, yeah. which is she, funny she wants, because in the original short story, she actually ends up marrying Lloyd Richards mm. because Karen divorces Lloyd in, in Vegas and he is engaged to Eve and they get married. And that's yeah. the end of the original story. But of course, I don't think they could have done that. It maybe didn't fit Mankiewicz's own vision, but it may also be that they couldn't get away with that with coach because normally evil people have to get their comeuppance yeah. in this era of film. But I considered Eve just to be someone who is very intelligent, very clever. Mm. And even though she didn't recognize at the end of the movie, what we as the audience recognize, and so did Addison DeWitt, that um, Phoebe, who we meet at the end of the film, who is yeah. waiting in Eve's, um, I don't know if it's her, I think it's her hotel room, or maybe if it's her apartment. Yeah, an apartment or a hotel room or something, isn't it? Yeah. And she's sort of waiting there, just like Eve did with Margot. And it's like, I just want to, you know, see where you stay, see who you are, blah, 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 blah. And as an audience, we see, ah, the vicious cycle is beginning again. Yeah, it basically becomes a cyclical story, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay. yeah, but yeah. I don't... And, and you kind of get that with, you know, like I say, with the, with the, the relationship between Birdie and, and, and Margot at the start, you're kind of going, are we now seeing the end of something? Did yes. Something, was that relationship, because they're clearly friends, but was that entirely innocent? Was, you know, and I, I don't like saying it because I love Birdie. Yeah. I, you know, I thought, you know, Thelma Ritter is a great actress and that's a great character. And she she clicks on to uh, what she, he's doing straight away yeah. because that's her. She recognises her self. So that's her interesting because I, I didn't see that at all. I don't know if if Stace, you saw but, any of this. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest, by the end of the film, I had switched off a little bit because I felt like there were about three satisfactory endings to this movie before it actually finished. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know um, what? I get that because I was watching this and I was thinking, do you know what? This film is longer than I thought. And I think it's I'm going to get into trouble. <laughs> it is a long film. Oh, by the way, spoiler, our next film is even longer. So you oh, might okay. oh, oh, schedule that in. You might want to watch it over two nights. Okay. 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 No, see, I don't want to make it sound like I was like dismissive of the film because it yeah. was long. Because I am very much a person who is like a film needs to be however long it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem, the problem I find with particularly with films like this where there's not like super exciting things happening all the time, mm. yeah, is that you've really got to dazzle me with your content for me to be yeah. up mm-hmm. for almost three hours worth of it. Yeah. And um, and unfortunately, I think I think the issue that I had is that I didn't really give a shit about any of the characters because they all came off as a bit a bit oh, asshole yeah. drama yeah, person. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I was like, well, I don't care if she steals your life. Who gives a shit? Yeah, that's <laughs> quite frankly, Margot, kind of yeah, you're a bit of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I liked about it. But I get it. I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, totally. There's, there's no one there really for you to latch on to. Mm-hmm. But I think you're supposed to latch on to Eve at the start. Yes, yes, I think you're meant to feel for Eve and yeah, her, her I, sob story and everything. Don't. I think 21st century watching it, you go, she's clearly a wrong one. 
yeah well that, that's the thing is that like I um so I'm somebody who sort of hyper fixates on things occasionally so I'll I'll get onto a thing like whether it's a franchise or a particular actor or something mm. and I that's all I'll think about for like months on end and then suddenly something else will take off my interest and I won't even look at that other thing again <laughs> for, <laughs> for like maybe ever perhaps yeah. Um, and I recognise that that's a very weird behaviour. And so I have to, find, especially when it's about a person rather than a thing. So I find I have to like really watch myself in terms of like, am I being too intense? Especially if it's someone I know as well. It's like, am I yeah. being too intense? Am I being a bit weird? So when the film sort of starts, I it it wasn't even um, it it was at the uh, award ceremony that it, that I started getting red flags even straight away because mm. the the setup of that scene. And I don't know if it's because I'm watching it from a 21st century point of view or not. But the setup of that scene was so very much like, look at this wonderful Eve, that mm. I was immediately like, summits up with her. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. so the seconds that she's like hanging around out the back of a theatre, like a weirdo trying yeah. to make, like even when I've been to see things that have had people in them that I absolutely adore, I have never once, or like going to geeks, I have never once like hung around backstage in the hopes of catching a glimpse uh, out the back because I just think that's stalkerish weird behaviour, lads. And so like the fact that she's so open about it as well, like I'm here every night, I just want to look at her face and you're like, yeah, no, you're odd, you are. So so Um, immediately it felt like, I feel like if I'd have seen this like completely out of the context of, both my own psyche and just like 21st century life, mm. maybe I would have been more on Eve's side and then suddenly been blindsided by the fact that she was a wrong one. And then yeah. maybe I would have been more invested because suddenly I'd have been like, oh, wow, she's an absolute shitter. But, <laughs> yeah. but because I was immediately like, well, she's up to no good. And then, yeah. and then everybody who was sort of involved in the theatre just seemed like a fucking smarmy ass hunker that I was like, well, I don't care if she's up to no good because you're all, you're all shit. Well, yeah. It's interesting because yeah. originally Margot, like Betty Davis' character, was written a lot more sympathetic, apparently. Mm. Mm. She was written very kind of more kind of modest and vulnerable and kind yeah. of funny and sweet and, and so yeah. on. And then when Betty Davis came on, they went, okay, we're going to, we got Betty Davis now, so we can, you know, go yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, immediately you go in what well, I don't know if I'm supposed to like, because I instantly didn't like Margot because she's very snotty and dismissive and very she, up her own. She's arse. very abrasive, and it's just yeah. like, I, how could anyone be your friend? Look at the way you, yeah, you know, you speak to Karen and to and to Bert and to, and to the guys. You know, it's like you're you're not a nice person. Yeah, and it's and it's not until much later that you actually do see that softer side of of Margot. Yeah, again, there's there's a line. Actually, now I'm not sure if it's actually in the film or if it's a, a bit I saw in an interview. No, I think it's in the in the film. The, she, there's a bit where they're in a car and she kind of yeah. opens her soul, basically. That's it. Yeah, and she says something along the lines of, you, you have to armour yourself so much in your career as a woman. You have to throw away so much mm. to, be, to, to, rise, to, you know, to get up the ladder yeah. that once you get there, you forget that you need those things. Yeah. to just exist as a person uh, and I thought that was really yeah, really profound yeah I didn't remember or write it down because I'm an <laughs> idiot and the surprising so, thing is a man wrote that but it's so yeah, on that, point 
That well. did that did strike me, but I didn't know if I'm just being a sexist prick saying it, <laughs> you know. And it's a a man wrote this, and you go, yeah, but that's not very accurate, really. You know, it's quite transparent that it's a bloke wrote it, but um, but it did seem pretty kind of. I mean, I, again, I, that seemed quite 21st century to me. That seemed yeah. kind of post Me Too. Almost. It is a little, it is a little bit upsetting how still relevant things in this. That's it what is I was shocking, say. shockingly um, relevant. Because I've, yeah. I've got to say, the bit, uh, the, the the only bit of the film that I actually really enjoyed was the party because I think Betty Davis does some great drunk acting in it. Yeah. Oh, um, didn't she just? Oh yeah. It's so good because a lot of people when they do drunk acting, they go full like, yeah. and here's another thing about that. And yeah. you're like, no, you just nobody's like that when they're drunk. I mean, the woman down. could hold her drink. There's no doubt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, there was a, I actually warmed to her a bit then because she seemed mm. much more like a person. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it was a, it was a bit of a shame that it took that long sort of for me to sort of get there. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I just I just don't think I was invested in it. Was the, yeah. was the problem for me? So I sort of just let it happen. Let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this. I mean, but this is part of the fun of you know of doing this podcast of, of yeah. doing this is that you know we are looking at you know we're we're three different people. We are going to come at you know have different experiences of these films, and that's the point of it. I think if we all just come out of it and, and liked everything, mm. or there'd be no point having the conversation almost. Mm. Mm. um but you know so i but i think it's um but it is that's kind of the point is that you know i mean most of the films we're dealing with are undisputed classics whether we like them or not yeah they just they are you know our opinions don't really matter in the hill of beans they're still going to be classics after the podcast finished. yeah Mm -hmm. but it's just how we react to them and i think some films age better than others some some age mm-hmm. really well and become even more relevant in some ways and some don't just because the way of you know time passes that things that are important that when the the films were made don't resonate so much anymore yeah. Yeah. even down to just acting styles and dialogue styles and directing styles and that kind of stuff because you know stuff that would have been really subtle at the time like what we were talking about with with Eve's first appearance and mm-hmm. being super mousy and modest, that probably was very carefully crafted and convincing at the time. Now we're sort of going alarm bells. Yeah, <laughs> and then when because yeah. when you move to the party scene and you've got you've got Margot in her gorgeous like off the shoulder dress, which I will tell you a bit more about okay. uh, behind the scenes in a moment. But you've got Eve in a more fitted, sleek, like. I guess younger version, if you, mm. can, if you like, of what of what Margot is wearing. So again, she, it's like she's doing this thing of I'm trying to become you, but I'm still, um, but I'm also me at the same time. But I'm still trying to become you and and uh, you know and 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 take over your position. Well, it, that that particular choice felt to me like it was very much a statement of um, I'm younger than you, so yeah. Yeah. look out. Like, yeah. like, watch your fucking back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Because, um, like you say, it was a very similar outfit, but much more sort of, yeah, like a younger sort of cut and yeah. style. And it did very much feel like she was saying, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready and waiting to just, just slip right into your shoes. That's it. <laughs> and it's quite sinister. <laughs> so, um, the the costume designer for Betty Davis in this film was Edith Head. Um, oh, you, yeah. you may or may not have heard of 
Um, but she was very famous uh, costume designer for the films um, around this time, sort of. Uh, and the the model for the the character in The Incredibles. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember her name. There, the little superhero. Oh, Edna Mode. Yes, Edna Mode. Yeah. yeah, that's who. <laughs> Yeah, and and Edith Head is who they they modelled her yeah. on. So Edith Head, as far as I know, is still the uh, like if like reigning holder of eight Academy Awards for costume design and costume in a film. Uh, in fact, she won the Oscar for the costumes. Won it wasn't just her; it was another gentleman as well. His his name escapes me, uh, but they won best costume for a black and white film. Because at that time they had black and white and color category yeah. uh, for this. But the dress that Betty Davis wore for that party scene. So um, she had fitted Betty Davis for the dress and everything. And they got it all made up. And then it came to shooting day. They put Betty into the dress and it was too big. And they just did not have the time for Edith Head to be able to go in and alter it and make it more. Because it, sh- it should have been more snug. It should have fitted yeah. tighter. And it didn't. So Betty, apparently Betty Davis had the idea and she just pulled the dress down. And even I think Edith Head has credited her with it. Um, she pulled the shoulder straps of the dress down. So they came off the shoulder. Yeah. Which for 1950 is quite a, you know, bit of a, almost not quite, it's, it's daring. It's not quite risque, but it's quite daring, mm. especially for perhaps even Betty Davis's age, maybe. Yeah. Um, but by doing that, it helped it fit a little more. And Betty Davis said she wanted to design the dress to be something that she could use as another character so she could swish it around and, and, and move it. Yeah. Um, but there was just a lot more of it, I think, than she expected because of the fit. And then, as we say, and was quite true, it's good that we picked up on it ourselves. And Baxter's costume for that same scene um, was a more youthful, snugger cut fit version of what Betty was wearing. But I love that. And also that the dress had pockets. And I love a dress with pockets. Me too. More dresses dress have pockets. Um, but speaking of awards, the as we mentioned earlier, this film this film was nominated for a lot of awards, and it wasn't until Titanic came out and then La La Land mm. uh, that it equaled. But it was nominated for fourteen Oscars, and it won five. So it yeah. won best director, best screenplay, costume for black and white, as we just said. Best sound recording and it won Best Picture. It beat Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. the Best Picture. Now Betty Davis was nominated for Best Actress. Yes. But there was a bit but. of controversy about this because Anne Baxter persuaded and pressured the Studio and Academy to have her placed in the Best Actress category as well, rather than where she was supposed to have gone, which was Supporting Actress, which is where Celeste Holm and Thelma Ritter were both nominated for supporting actress. Now, it's considered that because Anne Baxter had done this, it split the vote and meant that Betty Davis didn't win and neither did she. Yeah. And uh, I forget who did wear it. Uh, who did wear it? Sorry, who did win it? It was... Oh, yes. One of us is going to have it and I don't have it. Um, yeah, I know. It, and it was... Because it wasn't Sun- Sunset Boulevard either. And no. I thought, and it, it wasn't because there was there was like because it was the underdog who yes. won it in the end. Yeah, it was. And um, I, had, the name in the film escape. It wasn't Born Free, but it was something. Born Yesterday. Born Yesterday. Yeah. The actress from Born Yesterday. Mm. Because you would think it would have been Sunset Boulevard or yeah. this. But to be honest, many senior heads of, of Hollywood were not happy about Sunset Boulevard. So, yeah, that, 
might be why. Um, but it was a shame for, for Betty Davis. And, her, and then many, many years later, Anne Baxter has uh, regretted doing that because she yeah. recognises that by forcing herself into that category, she she split the vote and uh, perhaps meant that Betty Davis did not win. Mm. Although, to be quite honest, uh, Betty Davis didn't do bad for Oscars. She won two and was nominated for ten. Yeah. I mean, she was basically the Meryl Streep of her time, always nominated and not always winning. Yeah. Um, but there's there's some of our little bits and pieces uh, notes on the on the production. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting in a way. I know this is completely off track, but still within remit that it took so many more years for from 1950 to 1997 when Titanic equaled the amount of Oscars. Um and I imagine with Titanic, were a lot of those technical Oscars as well. I'd imagine so, yeah. So I mean, I imagine those a lot of those would have been special effects Oscars and, and yeah. stuff like that, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So which obviously wouldn't have been categories. But then again, I suppose um, all about he had the whole thing about well, they were split because of a black and white in colour and, mm. and all that. So twice the men films would have been nominated yeah. in those categories as well. But yeah, but it is it is um, it is interesting. I th- I think. Given the two, I I I I like Sunset Boulevard better, mm-hmm. just because that speaks to me more. I think uh, it's between the two. I think um, because uh, and I won't spoil it all because Stacey, you've not seen it and no, and I I'd like maybe down the road for us to maybe look at that one for the mm-hmm. pod. But I think that's because there's certain content to that film that this one doesn't have yeah. that I think adds that grit. And, and also it might just be me being more film than theatre and a guy in the, well yeah. that too but you know i mean sunset boulevard is through a guy's eyes whereas this is. is very much the woman's picture yeah, yeah. you know the, the the men are very peripheral yeah with the exception of um george sanders really although he does actually appear in it very much but he's a he's a major player even if he's not in a lot he it's is basically the women's yeah. picture and yes and because i mean this was 1950s so 30s and 40s you know, the, the women were really reigning yeah, at, the, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the cinema, especially, yeah. um, which makes sense during the war years, even yeah. more so with, with yeah. the men having been away at war. And this was the escape. Well, that's uh, it. You'd, you'd get women were having to take over, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's being rewritten. So that's actresses right. were playing male roles and stuff yeah. like that. And so, the escapism of getting to the, 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 yeah. the cinema for, you know. Yeah. And also that was also often how you would get your newsreels to, to tell you what was going yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, so, yeah. But, you know, the women were the big star. I mean, Betty Davis was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Mm. Um, yes, it had dropped by the time she came to do this, but she was also known as the one of the fifth Warner Brothers Yeah. Um, as well, because she was very powerful. She even took them to court once and failed. Um, but I think that led the way for one of her uh, closest friends, uh, oh, her name escapes me. Um, well, I'll come to that another time. And another pod will come to that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was gonna say, well, like, while we're talking, you know, talking about the guys, I do want to just shout out to to Gary Merrill who plays yeah. Bill Sampson because I thought he was really good in this. Yes. Um, most of the other guys in there kind of van. I mean, um, what's his name? He plays Lloyd Hugh Marlowe. He kind yeah. of fades into the background, to be honest. He's a bit of a a prop he's he's a lamp but really. isn't Merrill a, a brilliant um like opposite player opposition well, to yeah he's, Davis. he's fantastic now I'd because I was going through I know his face I know his face 
Mm. And he's in, of all things, to go up dinosaur. He was in the Ray Harryhausen movie Mysterious Island. Okay. Uh, so it's like, oh, that's where I know him from, fighting giant crabs. <laughs> so, and he was he was in a, a war film I'd seen called Twelve O'Clock High as well, and he was in um, a noir for called Where the Sidewalk Ends. So I was going for him, but he was I thought he was really good. He really held his own. He really did, because um, she she's someone to be up against, if you like. Yeah, but it's it's quite interesting because they him Betty Davis got married. They did, yeah. After, so I think really quickly. Like, it was very quickly. Between the film finishing shoot and it being released, they, they got were married. married. So she was already married when mm. they met, but um, in fact, part of the reason her voice is so husky in the film is because um, days before she came over to start filming. She'd had a blazing row with her then husband and she burst a blood vessel in her throat through screaming and yelling. Um, so she's on vocal rest, vocal rest, sorry, for a couple of days. And her doctor said, if you rest it, it, it should come back. But she had a very husky voice, but Wankowitz loved it and told mm. her she, even if it got better through making the film, because the, the turnaround to make this film was very short as well. Yeah. Didn't take long. Um, eight weeks, I think. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Six to eight weeks. And so she had a voice that sounded like she, I mean, she was a chain smoker, basically. Yeah. Um, like she smoked like 40 a day and drank whiskey all the time. And that's exactly what he wanted for Margot. But yeah, they, she was married, but they were, that marriage is obviously ending. She got divorced. And I think it was like within a week of the divorce or even I less, think it, they I settled. Think it, yeah, it was something, it was something like four days, like maybe. the next day or yeah. like two days later. It's like three, four days. She and Gary Mel- Merrill were married and they were married for 10 years. Yeah. Um, but according to like Celeste Holm and some of the others, um, it was very obvious when the two met, Gary Merrill and, and Betty Davis, when they met on set and started playing opposite each other, that sparks began to fly and something was going on. Yeah. So there you are. I mean, they, they did say, I saw the comment saying that basically the marriage failed because they thought they were marrying the characters. The characters, yeah. They were playing rather than so when they when they went home they realised he um, realised he, he he was married he, to Betty Davis, not, not Margot Channing. Channing. And, and it, isn't it interesting because she says that in the film that he's mm. going to realise that he's at home with Margot Channing and not yeah. Oh there's, oh, there's some really just spooky parallels, isn't it? Strange, yeah. You know, considering. This is before meta was a thing. There's some yeah. very meta yeah. moments, uh, yeah. you know, through the film. There's some you know, really just stark parallels um, in real, you know, the real life stuff. I mean, we've talked about how much like Margot Channing's career parallels um, Betty you know, Davis Betty at the time. Yeah. You know, it, it, but there's, there's an awful lot of that stuff. And I think there's an awful lot of, uh, like I was saying, because it's set in the field, I'm sure, I, you know, I got the sense there was a lot of, in jokes and references and stuff. Mm, I'd that, imagine so. That were whizzing past. There's, there's lots of. I mean, the dialogue back then was like machine gun anyway. Yeah. It's all da 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 da. You know, just you kind of want the subtitles on to to enjoy the the dialogue. Yeah. yeah. But um, so there's, there's I'm sure there's lots of stuff. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I I did spot there was some references to Zanuck, the producers. Yes, yeah. there were quite a few. Yeah, yeah which um, I'm sure Betty Davis loved because and they did give some jabs to hollywood quite oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, there is yeah i mean it does touch that kind of rivalry between the theater, theater and hollywood and hollywood yeah uh, yeah and the idea was, of the idea of leaving theater to go to hollywood you know which was 
quite yeah. I think poo pooed sometimes. It's well, like this is yeah, and this is what I was talking about like with Tallulah Bankhead because that's what her career was. She was a big theatre actress who went off, went to Hollywood, had a bit of a career there, didn't quite. I don't right. think she quite hit that big and sort of mm. went back to to theatre again. And she had the whole thing of the the ingenue who kind of took over her life. Yeah, which I knew that story, which is why I was wondering if it was based on that. Um, I, 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 I think a, it just happens a lot. I think it happens a lot, but I have a feeling it it might have been claimed that it was, and she said no, it absolutely wasn't. And mm. it, uh, um, and there's some documentary footage about um, the, the the woman it was based on, the actress. Oh, yeah. It was considered on, but I have a, oh, I can't remember. I have a feeling that that was possibly in Australia or an Australian actress, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. Um, but I can't remember if it was, um, did you say Tallulah Bankhead? Bankhead? Yeah, Tallulah Bankhead, yeah. Bankhead. Um, I can't remember if it was her or another actress who turned down the role of Margot Channing because they said they, they just could not do all the smoking and drinking that was demanded. Oh, of the role. yeah, yeah, yeah. Said absolutely not. Um, one one uh, direction I found really interesting from Mankiewicz was to Betty Davis about how to play Margot was explaining how Margot Channing treats her um, like her, her mink coat. her mink her fur coat, yeah. which is like she treats it like like a poncho, yeah, you know, like a like a, just a rag that's on the floor, just a cheap rag, yeah, yeah. And it's like as soon as Betty Davis got that, it's like right, I've got the character. If that's yeah. how she treats a very expensive piece of clothing you know now and then now something that we wouldn't wear well that's again that's what we were talking about with like how, how time changes things yeah it's yeah. just like obviously then seeing somebody in a big fur coat was like the height of success and luxury mm, and yeah that. now you just look at it and go Ugh. Ugh. yeah you know it's like the smoking and stuff like that as well i know you know i'm a non-smoker and i don't like being around smokers and stuff but i do mm. i i accept smoking looks cool on film yeah and it's, and look, and it's a good prop to it's have. weird it's but it's and it's weird because like especially in this sort of time like in mm. a black and white movie when you watch when you watch Betty davis or um if you watch bogey humphrey bogart yeah they it's wrong to say that they do look cool <laughs> you know the whole <laughs> they look old they look that's, old that's something yeah that's you, weird, you see some of these actors and you think, oh, they've got to be in their 50s. Were they in their 50s their whole life? Yeah. And you realise they're in their 20s. And it's because of you know, the booze and the fags and everything yeah. else. Yeah. They live hard lives. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's it's very bizarre. I know. It's it's just it's just one of those areas of film that I, I do find fascinating. Now, I did look a little more into Mankiewicz as well, mm. um, you know, to see what, because I, I know him as a famous director, but I know him for this. Um, and it, I was looking at the other films that he had directed, like so he did A Letter to Three Wives, which I haven't yeah. seen but was very successful. Yeah, so, you know, I've not seen. It's one of the ones I've never seen but I've heard of. And The Barefoot Contessa I've heard of but not seen. I didn't realise, and I've seen the film so many times, that he directed Guys and Dolls. Yeah. And I hadn't no, I've, I've seen. I've not seen that musical, you see. Uh, that yeah, that's, yeah. I've seen Ghost and Mrs Muir that he yeah. did. I don't think I've seen Cleopatra. I haven't seen Cleopatra. I've seen Carry On Cleo that used the same sets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think the last film we directed was Sleuth. Sleuth, yeah. uh, With uh, Michael Caine and Laurence Olivier, which is a brilliant, brilliant film. I haven't seen that. Oh, that's that's a cracking uh, little whodunit. But it's like Cleopatra, I know he worked on the script as well. Mm. Um, 
but he even he said at the time it basically ruined him yeah. he didn't really want to do it but he he loved liz taylor got on very well with her because i think they did suddenly last summer together and he just thought she was wonderful i mean i don't think she really wanted to do it which is why she asked at the time for a preposterous amount of money which was a million dollars and got mm-hmm. it that's um, always a good tip for any freelancers out there yeah. <laughs> if you get offered a job that you don't really want to do ask for an absurd pay packet yeah and then I, yeah then easily if you have to do it then at least you're going to get well paid exactly i've done that and not got the job and i was pleased about it at the time <laughs> exactly <that's laughs> win-win you either get turned in you go great i don't have to do it or yeah. you get you know you don't have to do it but you get an absurd amount of money you go well that worked yeah but what i um i hadn't realized that it was his his older brother Herman J Mankiewicz was who co-wrote Citizen Kane. Oh no, I didn't know that. I know his son Tom Mankiewicz is a screenwriter as well. Mm. Um, and he wrote, or he was gonna write. I can't remember. He either wrote or was gonna write a Superman movie or a Batman movie early on oh, before right. between between the TV series and um, and the Tim Burton movie. He, he wrote a yeah. Batman movie, I think. Oh right. But there's a, yeah, it's a whole dynasty of Mankiewicz's there, I think. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a, a, a fascinating time, and um, the things that he did and wrote. I mean, he won four Oscars: two for writing and two for directing. Um, so obviously that was also for All About Eve, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and he considered himself a writer first as well. Yeah. Um, but it's like when I. Because I ha- I wrote a paper on Betty Davis about how someone from from her time still influences um, actors or actresses of today. I mean, she's believed to be the driving force behind uh, creating the Hollywood Canteen. Yeah. Which um, was basically a, a social, literally a canteen, but it was for service men and women um, during World War Two a place they could come to and have uh, music, a meal, dancing. And they were basically waited on, served on by the stars of Hollywood. Now, it wasn't necessarily always the big A-listers, but they were <laughs> there and they did do yeah. like their shifts, if you like. Yeah. But it was a lot of the starlets and the bit players and those that you didn't see, but they were there. And, and Eddie Davis was sort of the president of this. And she did cause controversy because at the time segregation was very much a thing yeah but she said there's no segregation here you know that uh the black americans and white americans they go out and fight together die together they both bleed red and so they can come in and dance together sit together and all of that and it caused quite a ruckus yeah uh at the time um but some of the things she did were also quite terrible (laughs) yeah but uh the one thing that I find really juicy and interesting is her relationship with um, Joan Crawford. Yeah, yeah. Which is why watching... Because, Stace, have you seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? No. <laughs> I'm really bringing, up, bringing all the, uh, you know, everything to this episode today, aren't I? <laughs> it's OK. <Ooh. laughs> You're right there. You're right there. Um, I'm here for moral support. <laughs> that's just it. You're there supporting us all the way. Because um, I think when you... When you watch a film like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and you understand that the two hated each other, although I think Joan Crawford admired Betty Davis greatly, they didn't like each other, especially yeah. Betty Davis of her. And so the two of them were, and it was another film that 
relaunched both of their careers, but it's another one that relaunched Betty Davis's career. And it's um, yeah, she can't get become like a bit of a horror queen. A bit of a... She did. They became yeah, kind of like a B movie horror queen yeah. for a time. So did Joan Crawford. Um, they did some very odd horrors. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting. And she and she would tell her quite a bit. I seem to remember. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I read a story about, oh, what's his name? One of the judges of X Factor, Simon Cowell, when he was a kid, he used to sit on her lap when she was doing her makeup. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm sure I didn't dream this. I wouldn't (laughs) dream about Simon Cowell as a child, surely. I don't know. But I'm I'm sure I heard somewhere that he was, it was probably on like the Unbelievable Truth or or QI or something like that. About when he was, his mum was a, a makeup artist or something. I worked in the makeup department on mm. when she was doing something like The Babysitter or some kind of B movie over here. Mm. And he used to sit on her lap while she was on her makeup done. Yeah. Or I might have just made, made that, that up entirely. Who knows? You That's decide. Audience, you Google that and see what you can find. <laughs> <laughs> but they did do some odd, odd B movie horrors after. Uh, whatever happens. Did John Crawford turn up in Trog? Yes. There was a film called Trog about a killer caveman. I think she did. I was sure sure John Crawford was that, because that that gave me, I remember seeing that as a kid and giving me, we're drifting way off there. We are, we are. But I think think she did, and she did some weird axe-wielding If I would recommend watching, although it may spin some of the truth a little bit, but, um, Ryan Murphy. Um, that's oh yeah, the, the the TV. TV. Series. Yeah, he did a series called Feud, which was all yeah. about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford doing um, whatever happened to Baby Jane. But it also goes on a little bit after that came out on what happened to them. And I loved it. Susan Sarandon as Betty Davis, and oh, I knew her name was going to escape me. Um, wasn't Jessica Lang, was it? Yeah, well, uh, that's who I was thinking of. I think it was um, as Joan Crawford, and it's mm. really superb. Um, so I highly recommend that. Yeah. Fun fact, I used to think that Whatever Happened to Baby Jane was a sequel to Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> so, I can you see know, that. <laughs> I, I'm Mr. Card. I thought, I, I don't know why, even like when I was a kid, when I used to see the ads in the in the newspapers for like Super 8 movies, you could buy Super 8 pre-video. You could buy Super 8s. And I remember seeing a list. <laughs> and she went, oh, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Clearly a sequel to Rosemary's Baby. I didn't know what they were. I didn't yeah. know they were horror films. But I just yeah. assumed that was clearly a sequel to, to that one. Because <laughs> well, well, maybe clearly maybe... Rose's Baby was called Jane. <laughs> could have been. And she was famous enough to make a film about it. So I always said they would have made a sequel. Obviously. Well, maybe maybe somewhere down the line we'll look at whatever happened to Baby Jane. Well, there was a sequel to Rosemary's Baby that was called Whatever Happened to Rosemary's Baby, like a TV movie sequel. Oh, I dread to think. So it's it's not that bad. It's kind of pointless, but it's it's uh, it's tolerable. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, I feel like we've probably maybe gone through some final thoughts but <laughs> i feel i feel like we probably have reached a comfortable end of all about eve yeah so stace 
I think we kind of get your feeling on it, but let's have some of your final thoughts on perhaps all about Eve. Um, yeah, so my, my final thoughts are that I am experiencing just a total ambivalence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I genuinely... I, I feel sorry for you because it's actually the nightmare scenario yeah. with, with oh, something yeah. like this. If you hate something, that's fine because we can have a good. You can have a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you love it, that's great. We can just have a fan wank over it. But if you're j- literally yeah. just ambivalent, it's death. It's yeah. oh yeah. I, I feel genuinely terrible about this, and I am already <laughs> thinking I should have texted you and said I'm not going to bother <laughs> because I feel like I have brought absolutely nothing to this discussion um and i've still got nothing for it silence which i think the listeners will appreciate i hope they do i I bet there's going to be a lot of listeners who are going to be like yeah she just shouldn't have turned up (laughs) just pulled a sickie just should have just pulled a sickie 10 minutes while you're on the shitter for this i know I know. I, well, I almost texted you when I was on the loo and I thought, shall I just say, guys, this is I'm going to be dreadful. Uh, <laughs> but I did. Like, we've got that little thing, haven't we, where we don't like to talk about the films yeah, beforehand have, so yeah. that we can sort of surprise each other with our reactions on here. Yeah. But this isn't the sort of surprise I think anybody wants is for me to just go. <laughs> eh. <laughs> just to shrug and say, we'll just have to go, yeah, didn't really dig this one. Bye. Yeah, and then, <laughs> I'll leave it to you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave you now. You carry on for the next three hours. I'm off to ski. Bye. Well, I think I'll I think the difficulty the difficulty for me as well has been that I also haven't seen a lot of the films that you were talking about that yeah. this like pulls from or references yeah. or is parallel to. So yeah. I've got literally nothing like going on about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you learned something at least. What I learned is um, that that. That cross stitch is great when you're watching a three hour film that you're not into. <laughs> yep, yep, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I do. I mean, I'm glad you watched it and I'm glad you've actually seen it, you know. Um, am I a little bit sad that you didn't like it? Maybe a little bit, but I'm honestly, it's like you just, you gave it a go and you watched it. And you're like, it's a legit no, response. Yeah, no. and well, like, oh, way, and that's fine. I'm I was going to say, I could have pretended. This is the thing, though. It's not even really that I didn't like it. It was just very much one of those things where I watched it and I thought, okay, I can see why people like this, but it's categorically yeah. not for Stace. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mm. think that's absolutely. Oh, great. and I'm sure there's going to be films that come up. Uh, yeah, oh. we're going to be the same. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> But I think that's good. Like we just like we said earlier on, I think that's the good thing about us doing this pod. You know, it's like, well, that's we'll why exp- there's three of us. That's why there's three of us. But we, yeah, we Yeah. If there was only two of us. Oh, God. Been really? <laughs> well, no. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if all three of us were just like, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think if that ever happens, we'd probably just have to scrap the episode. Well, I would yeah. like to think it wouldn't, because at least one of us should be recommending the film to the other. I mean, the only the only problem we might have is when we get to one of the rare films that all three of us have never seen, yeah. because then there's there's, there's real territory a... for us to all be very yeah. boring. <laughs> yeah, to just go. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. Yeah, it was all right. I thought it was yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> just it's... reading off the IMDb trivia. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's where the notes come from because that's the, i mean that has been the like our little little blessing so far is that one or two of us have seen what we've put forward so far so at least mm-hmm. one of us likes it or has yeah. other feelings for it yeah you know um but i i kind of hope that if we should get to watch sunset boulevard um 
I mean, I'd like to think and hope that that might give you a little bit more to bite into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that might be different because it's more film based in its context and its story. Yeah. Than, than this one is. Um, and I think I think that that has a bit more grit to it. That this it's is a bit mis- chillier, isn't it, for the, yeah. for the viewer? Yeah, I think there's a bit more to it um, than this. I mean, I love All About Eve, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I, when I was watching it and it got to a point and I thought, oh, this is longer than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I listened earlier, I was like, oh, they're going to hate me for that because there's like, that should have been where it ended and it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> and I love I mean, it. It is one of those things where it's based on a short story and you just think, how short was this yeah. short story? Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> there's novels can there's, be turned into 90 minute movies. Yeah. Yeah. But I still, you know, I still appreciate that you you sat through it and watched it all. And like, like you say, I can't pronounce the word. Ambivalence. Ambivalence is fine when it comes to films, because I'm like that with some modern films. Although I actually bite the bullet sometimes like, yeah, I'm not going to watch this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's it's one of those films where I can say, like, I can't say it's a bad film because it's well made. It's well written. It's well performed. But it, like I say, it just falls very much into that not in Stacey's wheelhouse yeah. category. I was yeah. sort of like that with the lighthouse, 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 up lighthouse, until the, lighthouse, <laughs> lighthouse, <laughs> up until the point I just fucking hated it. Yeah. But I could appreciate that it's a beautifully made film and everything. I, well, but I fucking hated it. There was. We don't, yeah. we don't want Let's to not, another air and off of me slugging off not the, lighthouse. the lighthouse yeah. There, yeah there was too much mermaid fucking in there that was too me. much mermaid fucking in that for <laughs> me too <laughs> but anyway lee what were your final thoughts all about Eve? yeah my my yeah my, my final thoughts are basically that it was one that i admired more than enjoyed um so i didn't you know um i will watch it again i'm sure Mm-hmm. It wasn't love at first sight, but you know, it was one that I did. I might, I because we were a little bit delayed. I was planning on watching it again, but I yeah. never got round to it because of me being an idiot. I don't want to watch it. I want to watch it like two days before we so record. Can it over so a little fresh. Bit. So yeah. even though recording gets delayed a week, you've still got that. It's got to be this day. Yeah, you know, two days yeah. before, kind of. So you've still got to fit into that window. I couldn't fit into that window. Yeah, but it, but it's one I will. And, you know, I'm glad I've watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, and there's there's an awful lot in there to admire. It, yeah. I, it didn't it didn't rock me like um, Sunset Boulevard did, because it's 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 a world that I'm not au okay fait with. Yeah, you know, like I say, mm-hmm. I'm sure if I was more into theatre, I'd have got the references and stuff. But there was the but it didn't bore me. Mm. even though it's a long film and yeah. you know there's certain films that are long that you skip through and it's absolutely feel long yeah. and i you know and this one felt long yeah though not a slog i'm not really expecting this but it but, it, <laughs> but yeah but it was good i'm glad i watched it and I'm, I'm sure i'll watch it again but it's Excellent. not one i'd i'd put on my all-time favorites list or anything like that there's yeah. certain films you watch and go oh that's right up there now that's yeah, yeah. it's it's funny because it I do, as I've said to you, I do love this film. Yeah. And I thoroughly, and I think it's through the writing and the performances. I think that's what yeah. does it for me in the drama. And I love that about it. Yeah. And yet it would be in possibly like my top 10, top 15. It would, mm. but it wouldn't be in my top five. Mm. Sunset Boulevard is in my top five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that could I be. I think it's really interesting. 
as a companion piece to Sunset Boulevard, yeah. you almost need ought to watch them as a, like a double bill. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I will. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I think we you will need a, make you need you. a break, but we'll get you to watch it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but some, yeah, but it's 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 an interesting companion piece. I, and also, can I just say, George Sanders yeah. played Shay Khan in Jungle Book. Oh my God, yes. So uh, yeah, I thought that's that's the only note I've got left that I haven't crossed out. Oh, the voice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Oh my goodness, yes. But like I say, overall, for me. You know, final thoughts, like I've just said, it is it is a film I love and I think it does come down to the writing and the performances mm. of why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. And I think it only clocked with me, like, goodness, this is a long film because I knew I was watching it for the pod. Yeah. And I wasn't nervous about what your two reactions would be because part of me had a feeling which way it would go. It's like, I'm not sure that Stace will enjoy it because I don't think it's something, I don't think it's a flavour of film that Stace would enjoy. And I think that was my thought on that. Yeah. Um, and I thought you would probably be more okay with it because this is yeah. an area of film that you've watched a lot more, perhaps. Yeah. Sorry, Stace. <laughs> no, that's totally fair and accurate. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the only reason I clocked like, oh my god, this is actually quite a long film. What have I done? I was like, this is why, like, I'd love you to watch a Star Is well, Born. But look, or, like I we'll say, never do it. <laughs> moving on to our next one. Yeah, this is your choice, my friend. Your choice. The next film we're watching is The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Okay. Which I am really looking forward to you two getting back to me. (laughs) Oh, shit. Because. (laughs) Oh, pressure's on. I mean, I'll save save it for the intro for, for next time. But I wanted to do a Western for this one. Yeah. And it came down to this or um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay. Now, early on, I thought, oh. I'll ease you into it with Butch and Sundance because that's a very popularist mainstream movie. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's written by William Goldman, who did The Princess Bride and Marathon Man and all that kind of stuff. Um, If if that's going to win you over, if anything's going to win you over, that will. It's very accessible. Yeah. This, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Well, that's going to be fun. That just ease us right into watching it then, doesn't it? <laughs> well then, I guess uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's yeah. what's we're head. We're heading into the Wild West. Uh, is is it? Is it? I'm gonna. Mm. No, I was gonna. It's, yeah, it's I was gonna ask three, is it that so one? You're gonna. You're gonna oh, plan accordingly. Uh, okay. Yeah, you okay. might want to. Might need a two, might need a weekend view of this yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, Uh-oh. we can do that. So, my friends, that was all about Eve, and I thank you for watching it, and I thank you all for listening to us talk about it. Um, but if you would like to find us on the socials, uh, Stace, where can they find you? Uh, almost everywhere, at Stacey's Parlour. And Lee, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at lovelylee underscore G for as long as Twitter lasts. Yeah. <laughs> And you can find me at Angel J5 and you can find the podcast at never seen underscore pod on both Twitter and Instagram for the same reasons that if Twitter should at some point explode, we'll be on Instagram. (laughs) Right. So we will see. Well, we'll see you. We will be here for episode 10, guys. We'll be at our 10th episode. I know we're going into double fitness. We are. (laughs) Are we? (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> I mean, no. I just want to know which one is the good, which one's the bad, and which one's the ugly. One of us was going to have to say that, and I knew it was going to be you. <laughs> well, I'm a I, I was going to save it for good. next time, but I thought, nah, fuck it. I'm, I'm a thousand percent not the good, so uh, I'll take bad or ugly. I think they either can be. I've got, I've definitely got a face for podcasting. That's for sure. Same's. I'm absolutely same <laughs> there, mate. Tell you, yeah. tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the cowards. And just, and you're just, you're just not taking any. Yeah, we should show <laughs> what we do. Okay, so until next time, we will see you next month with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye from me and from Lee. Bye. And from Stacey. Cheerio. Bye. Everybody.